Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have you joining with us uh, if you're online there. Uh, let me just remind you, if you're online, you can go to our website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the info tab. You can download the worship bulletin for today. Uh, you can also download the children's worship bulletins. Uh, so be sure to go ahead and get those downloaded. If you're here in person, children's worship bulletins are over here. If you need one of our bulletins, uh, the ushers will be glad to come and to give you one of those. Uh, while you're there under the info tab, you you can also download uh, the prayer list, so I encourage you to go ahead and take the time to do that also. As you, There are several that are on there we want to be praying for. But we're glad to have everybody who's here with us uh, this morning. Glad to have you all uh, on all those uh, live streaming platforms that we have. Uh, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our first one. Good morning, all. Good to see everybody. Wow. I know we've been singing some different and some new songs lately. Today's no different. If you don't know these songs, just pay attention to the words because there's some good meanings in, in each of the, the written words. So take your hymnals, join the choir with hymn number six, titled Immortal, Invisible, God-Only Wives. If you want to, you can stand with us and get stretch your legs. As we come to our time for our missionary moment, uh, you'll notice that we have in our bulletin a different set of missionaries, but want to encourage you to be praying uh, for them, for Ray and Sarah Kruger serving uh, in North Afri Africa. Uh, but we want to emphasize this morning Itamar Elizade. And so we're going to be sharing a video here with you uh, in just a moment. And so uh, if you'll pay attention to this video that they're going to share, uh, it'll share with you more about our missionaries in the North American Mission Offering uh, for the Annie Armstrong East Offering. So prayerfully watch this video. One more. Just go one more, Andrew. 
you have to do it twice. I get the question of why move back to Puerto Rico. In the last 10 years, Puerto Rico has experienced financial crisis, political crisis, crises with hurricanes and earthquakes. And on top of all of that, you've got the COVID-19 pandemic. And so they're like, why would you go the opposite way? Everyone's trying to leave. I think there's a lot of opportunity here in Puerto Rico in terms of ministry. A lot of the folks that we minister to just live alone because families have moved onto the mainland and people tend to leave behind some of their most vulnerable family members. It takes their support system away from them. And so one, who I later met as Rosa, sent me a text that said, I live alone, I don't have any food left, please just help me. So I asked, can I call you? and realized that she lived near one of our local pastors. And so he and his wife came here and went to see Rosa and really ministered to her and invited her to church. She agreed and, um, and listened intently to the message and, and then after the service accepted Christ. This is something that God is doing and I get to join him in because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And in gratitude, we respond by serving others. And so that's the importance of giving because that enables us to continue to meet these needs and ensure that the gospel is proclaimed and preached and that churches are planted and that missionaries are sent. Puerto Ricans, they've been through a lot and yet we're gonna do what we need to do to overcome this and we're gonna overcome this together. Amen. And so as we come to the prayer time, uh, we want to encourage you to be praying about giving towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, as we continue to collect that through Easter and even beyond to reach our goal uh, there. So be in prayer for Itamar Elizade, who is serving there uh, in Puerto Rico and all of our missionaries around the world. We also want to take a moment while we're praying also uh, to pray for our Easter eggs for, that are over here to my left. Uh, 3,500, I think that's right. That's a lot of Easter eggs. Thank you so much for helping with uh, putting all those together. Uh, but this coming Saturday is going to be our Easter egg hunt, and it's going to be an awesome opportunity for us to share the gospel with people. So we want to encourage you, be praying for uh, these Easter eggs as well as the gospel that goes out and for the families that we'll be able to reach uh, this weekend. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for our missions and for these eggs. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessing of this day. And thank you, Lord, that we have this privilege to come before your throne of grace. Lord, I pray that you would hear our hearts cry. Uh, Lord, we come before you confessing any sin uh, in our hearts and asking you to forgive us and to cleanse us with the precious blood of Christ, that you would hear our prayers from on high. And Father, we pray for our missionaries, uh, especially our North American missionaries with our emphasis uh, on our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Father, I pray that you will uh, lay upon our hearts, burden our hearts about giving towards that offering uh, so that it may uh, go forward, to, go forth to help to share the gospel all across North America in supporting those missionaries. So e even those that are uh, there in Puerto Rico and Guam and other places too that may not be on the mainland, Lord, we just pray that you will bless the ministries there, uh, especially of Itamar uh, there in Puerto Rico, that you will bless them, uh, open up opportunities for them as they seek to meet the needs uh, of people as they share the gospel through meeting those needs. 
need. So bless them and give them open doors and opportunities. And bless us, Lord, especially this coming uh, Saturday as we have our Easter egg hunt and the families that we hope to have, Lord, to come. We pray that you'll impress upon their hearts to come. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll prepare us in sharing the gospel. And we just pray that every one of these eggs, Lord, as as, uh, they go forth and and the bags that will be given to them of the gospel presentation, uh, what Laura will be sharing with them of the gospel. Father, I pray that they will receive that uh, into their hearts and that they will come, there'll be kids who'll come to faith in Jesus by those seeds that are planted in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, bless us with a great turnout this coming weekend and bless us, Lord, with volunteers uh, to help in that and bless us, Lord, as we seek to share the gospel with many lost people and their families. So bless us, Lord, today as we come to worship you. We give everything to you and ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike. Take your hymnals and let's sing praises to the Lord, singing 412. 412, my faith has a resting place. In preparations for our next hymn, reminder, Children's Church, a meeting on the piano side. Um, Take your hymnals and uh, join us in standing for 413, 413, which is Faith is the Victory. Faith 
Okay. 
Amen. Praise the Lord that he found us, that he healed us, that he saved us. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27 down through verse 38. I've entitled the message this morning, The Final Authority. And we've been looking at the authority uh, of Jesus and we'll be reminded of some of the, the things that we've seen uh, that he has authority over. But we're going to see some final things here that show us that Jesus has authority over everything. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word, Matthew chapter 9. And we're just going to begin with verse 27. And as Jesus passed on from there... Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we come saying the very same thing these two men did. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us if we're here this morning or watching online and we don't know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, have mercy on us, Lord, and save us from our sin. If we're here this morning, Lord, or we're watching even online and we already know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we cry out to you this morning, have mercy upon us. Because we know, Lord, that there's not a person who's here in this building, including myself. There's not a person watching online who is perfect. Lord, we have all sinned in our hearts and our lives. And we cry out for your mercy and we cry out for your grace this morning. Speak to us, Lord, through your word this morning in a powerful, powerful way. Show us the authority that you have over everything around us. Lord, that we might have a peace within us. Speak, Lord, and let us hear. And let us not only hear with our ears, let us hear with our hands and our feet to obey what you show us and tell us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. When you think about this verse that we begin with here, think about what's going on here. Here are these two men who uh, they, they, they awoke this morning in this passage to the very same dark world that they had always known in their lives. It was a colorless world, if you will. Uh, they, were, they, they heard voices, but they didn't see faces. They heard sounds. They even felt the warmth, if you will, of the sun, but they saw no light. Uh, the streets would have been cluttered with people during their day and these men, these crippled men, crippled by blindness come across the presence of Jesus. Think about this. Most in their condition were forced to a miserable life of, of begging and, and groveling for people to, to help them uh, all around them. And so one day, uh, the darkness of their existence is broken, as we're going to see in this passage, by a touch. And in an extraordinary uh, answer to their faith, the Lord puts his hands on their eyes and those once dead pupils come alive. And light begins to come into those pupils and, and they begin to see. And notice the very first sight that we're going to see that they see is their Savior. He's standing before them. 
And so as we examine this case, we're reminded that not all blindness is physical and not all blindness is the same. Uh, we can learn from these men uh, some things about the touch uh, upon their eyes uh, and the touch upon our eyes. Uh, we've seen uh, already through the passages we've been looking at in the life of Jesus that Jesus has authority over disease. He has authority over disaster. He has authority over demons. He has authority over us as disciples. He has authority over sin as we saw last week. And he has the authority to save and he has authority over death. But we're going to see this morning in these verses that Jesus has authority over disability. Think about that this morning. You know people who are physically disabled. Maybe it's a limp they have. Maybe it's something with their hearing. Maybe it's something with their vision that they have to use glasses. That's a disability. Uh, you can find all kinds of disabilities around us. Matthew here includes two more miracle stories in chapter 9. Uh, the first occurs here in these verses, in verse 27 down through verse 31, involving these two blind men. And there are some things I want you to see from this passage this morning. I want you to see what their conditions represent. Uh, notice again verse 27 there. It says, as Jesus passed on from there... Two blind men followed him. So think about that. You've seen blind people before who, who many times have to use a, a walking stick, some kind of blind cane to, to help them to, to feel where things are so they know where to step. They wouldn't have had that particular kind of thing in that day, but maybe they had somebody they were leaning on. It doesn't tell us, uh, but it tells us here that they were following after Jesus. They could hear the crowd. They could hear the commotion. But here we see... They follow after Jesus. Notice here that the rest of the verse goes on to say, They cried aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew tells us that as Jesus was leaving from one place of ministry, he's immediately confronted with another place of ministry. Now, Matthew doesn't give us the specifics of their case. We don't know if they were born with this condition. We don't know if this happened sometime later in their life because of some uh, physical ailment that came upon them or some accident that happened to them. We also don't know the extent of their blindness. And so while we don't know everything about the condition from which these men suffered, we do know something about their spiritual, the spiritual application of what they were going through. Warren Wiersbe tells us that when we see blindness in the Bible, it's a picture of spiritual ignorance and unbelief. And when we see the physical blindness of these two men, we're reminded of the spiritual blindness that affects everyone. And so I want you to notice a couple of things about their condition and what it represents. It represents some things for the sinner. Uh, there are different levels and degrees, as we said, uh, of blindness. The most severe blindness is called NLP, uh, which stands for no light perception. It's the most extreme aspect of blindness. No light perception. You can't see, there are those who can't see absolutely anything. They live in total darkness. Their eyes are essentially dead, if you will. So think about that spiritually. A person that is lost, a person that doesn't know Jesus, suffers from a spiritual NLP. 
Uh, The light of the gospel is completely invisible to them. The truth in no way shines into their heart and they stumble through life in spiritual darkness. The Bible describes them in Proverbs 4 and verse 19 and says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know uh, over what they stumble. They can't see anything. First uh, John chapter 2 verse 11 describes the lost person as someone who is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So a person without Jesus may be able to see this world physically around them, but they cannot see the world to come, the things that are most important. They may be able to see the sunlight but they can't see the sun of light. And so is it any wonder why our world is in the shape that it's in? There are more and more people in this world who are completely blind to the spiritual truths of God's Word than there ever have been in our history. They can't see the wickedness and the evil of their, of, of their lives because spiritually speaking, they are in total darkness. They can't perceive the light of truth. I remember reading about a story uh, many years ago uh, in, in November 30th, 1991, there was a terrible dust storm in, in Kalinga, California. It reduced the visibility to zero on, on Interstate 5. When that dust storm passed, there was a, there was a twisted three-mile tra- trail uh, of mangled cars, 104 vehicles, 114 individuals who were injured, 17 uh, who died, all because they weren't able to see what was ahead. And driver after driver drove right straight into the wreckage and headlong into disaster. Did you know that spiritually speaking, every day that happens? Every day, lives are wrecked and ruined simply because people cannot see the danger of the direction in which they're headed. And their total spiritual blindness leads them uh, inevitably to their destruction. The blindness of these two men in Matthew chapter 9 speaks to us about the spiritual blindness of the sinner. Notice something else their blindness represents. It represents, notice what it represents for the saint. Now, while the severest form of blindness results in total darkness, there are, as we said, different degrees of blindness in which a person can see some levels of light, some forms of light. Some people uh, that are considered to be legally blind can see uh, some light. They can make out some light they, uh, in darkness, and they can even sometimes see shapes and, and various shades of color. But when we consider that level of blindness, we're reminded of those who are saved but have little spiritual vision. The light of the gospel has shined into their hearts. Uh, And so while they can see some truth, uh, there is much that they don't see. They're not growing in their relationship with the Lord. An example of a believer that still suffers from uh, a degree of spiritual blindness is seen in 2 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 9 where Peter refers to the the carnal uh, person, to the worldly Christian as someone that is, as verse 9 says, so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And so it could be said that all of us, to some degree, are spiritually blind. Some may see spiritual truth better than others, uh, but none of us see perfectly. One day we will. Right now we're looking through a glass dimly, but one day we will see clear. One day we will see Jesus face to face. 
But notice also what their cry in verse 27 reveals. Remember what their cry was? Have mercy on us, son of David. So when we look at, these, at, at the cry of these men, we learn some things about their heart. We learn some things about their desire to see. And so by looking at their cry, we learn some things about the kind of heart we need to have in order to have our spiritual eyes open uh, to truth. They knew the seriousness of their problem. That's one of the things we see is that they knew the seriousness of their problem. These men had grown exhausted uh, of their blindness. They weren't content to stay this way anymore, to live in that darkness and just to make their way through life. No one needed to tell them that their blindness was debilitating. They were well aware of the seriousness of their problem. And so when they cried out to the Lord Jesus, they revealed their desire to see. Now, unfortunately, many people today aren't so disturbed by their spiritual blindness. Uh, the lost people of our world just continue on in that darkness because, as John says, they love darkness rather than light. Uh, also, far too many of us as Christians have grown satisfied and, and even complacent with our own spiritual level of, of spiritual light. And, and sometimes we don't even care that we don't know the Lord as we should and see the Lord as well as we could. It's sad to say, but too many of us don't realize the seriousness of our poor spiritual vision. And so many of us are, are oblivious to the things of God. We just show up to church on Sunday morning. We don't even show up on Sunday night or Wednesday night. We don't go to Sunday school. We're not in any kind of Bible study. And this is all you get. And, and if this is all you're getting, you are spiritually malnourished. You need to be spending time daily in the Word of God. You need to be spending time daily with God. And so uh, if you're not doing that, then you're oblivious to the things of God and you never cry out to see and to know more. We need to cry out as the psalmist does in Psalm 34 and verse 6 where he says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Get the picture here. Here are these men who were blind. They couldn't see what Jesus was doing. They could only hear. Those who are without Christ are blind. They can't see. They can't understand. The lost can only hear. How do we know that? Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes through what? Hearing. And hearing through what? Through the word of God, through the word of Christ. Notice they cried for mercy. These men, they did what we ought to do if we want God to have mercy on us. These men believed the report about the Messiah. They had heard people talking about Jesus healing people, uh, causing the, the, the lame to, to, to be able to get up and walk, uh, the dead to rise. Uh, they had heard the stories and they believed the report that this Jesus is the Messiah. So when they begin to hear the commotion and they they begin to hear people talking about Jesus. Whoa, wait just a second. We need Jesus. We need you. Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. Think about it. They could only hear it. They couldn't see what was happening. And they personally cried out for mercy and accepting and confessing Jesus was the Messiah. When they were born, when we're born, our vision is relatively poor. Uh, an infant spends much of its first days uh, and weeks uh, in life 
learning to see. And in those days of life, we learn how to control our eye movements. We, uh, we focus on certain objects. We develop depth perception. And, and it can take a couple of months for our eyes to really begin to work like they should. In much the same way, when we become saved... Our eyes are open to the big world of, of spiritual truth, and we know very little. But with time, if you spend more time in the Word of God, as you get into discipleship programs, you get into Sunday school and learn more about God's Word, uh, you come to church and you hear uh, the teaching of, of God's Word, uh, that vision begins to get better and you begin to understand better. Unfortunately, through neglect of the Word of God and sin, it, that can hinder the development of our spiritual sight. And so too many of us have, have never progressed past the infant stages. In fact, Peter talks about that. We're still feeding on the milk of the word. And more than just that, we're, we're still back there as infants, not able to see uh, the spiritual sight that we ought to uh, be able to see, to have that spiritual perception. And far too many of those of us who are Christians don't realize the seriousness of our blindness. But notice these two men, they knew what the solution was. They knew what the solution was. What was the solution? The solution was Jesus. So even though they were physically blind, they could see what the religious leaders of their day couldn't see. They called Jesus the son of David. Now that title refers specifically to the Messiah. And so when these men came to the Lord Jesus, they came with an understanding that he wasn't just any ordinary man. He was the son of the father. He was the Messiah. He was the savior. And they believed that he was the solution to their problem. They believed that he alone could give them sight. You know, we can also learn from these men that the only source for our spiritual sight and having that healed is Jesus. If our eyes are open to spiritual truth, then that vision comes from the Lord Jesus. I heard a story uh, that happened uh, many years ago about a blind man who was treated by a doctor and, and, and his sight was restored. And it was said that not long after he gained that sight, he went around telling everybody, he said, do you know anybody who's blind? Send them to Dr. Smith. He can cure them. You see, that's what we ought to be doing. We know the answer for the people around us. We know that the answer is Jesus. And, and I would say to you this morning, are, are you spiritually blind? Do you know Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Do you know somebody who is spiritually blind? Send them to the great physician because he can cure them, not only physically, but most importantly, spiritually. He's the solution to the problem of blindness. But notice what their cure required. So they cried out to Jesus here. These blind men, they were about to be in just a moment removed from this world of darkness. That that's all they had been seeing for whatever time it had been, either from birth or, or since uh, this had come upon them. And yet we see in this text that the miracle here of healing required some things from them. It's a reminder that spiritual vision isn't an easy thing to acquire and develop. I mean, you don't go to bed at night and put your Bible under your pillow and, you know, you do that at school. We don't do that at school, do we, and get all that in to our heads. We think that when we're in school, that osmosis, it can just come into our head if we put the book under our pillow. 
The same thing doesn't happen with the Bible. You don't just put it under your pillow and, and all that knowledge is going to come to you and all that spiritual vision is going to come to you. It takes effort on your part. It takes work on your part. It's hard. It's not easy. You need to get into the Word of God. And when you get into the Word of God and you begin to learn the Word of God, you're going to go through some things in your life. You're going to have some experiences in your life to apply the Word of God to. And that's where it's going to get even harder. It's one thing to know the things we ought to do. It's one thing to know the solution. It's another thing to put it into practice into our lives. And so there are many who are blind that remain in their blindness because they don't meet the requirements to have their eyes open. Notice that they, it required for them a dedicated pursuit. We're told there in verse 27 that they followed him. And they cried aloud to him. That's what we're told in verse 27. Uh, the indication is, is that they didn't get the answer after the first request. In fact, when you look at the, the tense of those words in the Greek, it's like they kept on following. They kept on asking. It wasn't just a one-time asking. They had to follow after the Lord and keep following after him and continually crying to him to, have, to, to mercifully intervene in their life. You see, to get the sight that they desired, they had to pursue the Lord. Let me ask you this about you. Are you pursuing the Lord? Are you pursuing to know God more fully in your own heart and in your own life? We won't see a clear spiritual vision of God until we're willing to pursue the Lord with dedication. And so once they followed the Lord uh, into the house, and notice he still questioned their faith. Look at verse 28. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now think about this. Jesus already knew their hearts. We see this in other places where Jesus knew the heart of the Pharisees. He knew they were mumbling about something. He knew exactly what they were talking about. Uh, different ones who were questioning things. He knew the heart of these two men. And yet he still requires a confession of their faith. You know, sometimes we think that we can just coast through life as a Christian and be a silent Christian and never say anything about the Lord, never grow in our relationship with the Lord. We've got our salvation, that's all I need, and I don't need anything else. Jesus knew their hearts, and he wanted them to confess their faith. In fact, the indication is that spiritual vision and better spiritual understanding is reserved for those who will earnestly and, and sincerely seek for it. Isn't that what Jesus tells us? He tells us to, to ask, and he tells us to knock, and he tells us to seek. And to put it plainly, if you never seek the Lord in his word and in prayer, you'll never get any better than you are now. And you'll remain dim-sided and, and maybe even blinded until, the, until you pursue the Lord with that dedication. And so if you want to see better spiritually, then follow Christ everywhere, every day, in every way. Notice also it required a divine power. Because the healing didn't come from them, and it didn't come from their efforts. 
It didn't come from their works. They could continue pursuing Jesus all day long, but until Jesus reaches out to touch them, they don't get the healing. So it required a divine power. Notice verse 29. It says, after they said, yes, Lord, they they spoke their faith. Then he touched their eyes, in verse 29, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. Now they wanted to see, and they had cried out to see, and yet it wasn't until the Lord Jesus reaches out and touches them that their eyes are opened. What a reminder for us again here that there is no spiritual, there is no hope of spiritual sight apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's him and him alone who can bring healing uh, to our spiritual blindness. And, and you can look for spiritual light in the world, but it'll be a fruitless pursuit. You see, to see with spiritual vision, you have to be touched by the divine power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he tells us when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell within our heart and fills us and empowers us and speaks to us the truth about Jesus and God's word. Notice that Jesus not only has authority over the disabled, Jesus also has authority over the devil. Aren't you glad about that? Here's our enemy who roams around like a roaring lion, who who seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what we see here in verse 32 down to verse 34 is that Jesus has authority over the devil. Notice this demon-oppressed man who who, who was mute that was brought to Jesus in verse 32. Verse 32 says, As they were going away, behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the words mar- and the crowds marveled, saying, "Never was anything like this seen in Israel." Now, many believe that this man was not only mute, couldn't speak, but probably was deaf also, uh, unable to speak and unable to hear, specifically because of this demon oppression. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody who's mute or deaf has, or has a disability is oppressed by a demon. Rather, what Matthew is saying here, Matthew is using this story as one of the evidences that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is indeed the Messiah. In fact, Jesus' response to John the Baptist over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 to verse 5, is helpful in, in understanding that. Here's what it says there. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And notice, Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John what you see and what you hear. What is it that you see and what is it that you hear? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. The very things that had been predicted about the Messiah in the Old Testament were being fulfilled in Jesus in his life. How do we know that for sure? Because of what verse 34 says. Notice, but the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. They were claiming that Jesus was demonic, that uh, demon power was the source 
behind his miracles. He's of the devil. And so Jesus makes it clear when you read Matthew chapter 12 that that wasn't the case. So get the bigger picture here because there was another reality at work in Jesus' ministry on this earth. Here's the reality. Satan has already been defeated. Isn't that awesome? He's already been defeated. Jesus casts out demons not because he's of the devil, but because he's overcome the devil. Jesus has authority over sin. He has authority over death. And he has authority even over the devil himself. And that ought to cause us to rejoice and to praise in the promise for eternity that Satan will be destroyed completely. The enemy will be cast down and his sting will never be felt again because Jesus has all authority over the enemy. Let me share with you a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to these, verse, these words from Paul. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality then shall come to pass the saying which is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brothers because you have that victory already because Satan has already been defeated at the cross. Here's what Paul says. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't ever sit still. Don't ever try to coast through life as a Christian. You keep growing in your walk with him. You keep seeking to come closer to him. You keep abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What authority Jesus has. So often when we think of authority, we think of it as authoritative. We don't think of it as what we see in this last part. The authority of his compassion. Notice verse 35 down to verse 38. Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He has the authority. We've already seen that. When he saw the crowds, the Bible tells us he had compassion for them because they were harassed. You ever felt that way? They were helpless. You ever felt that way? Sure. Like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What we see in the bottom line here of Matthew 8 through, verse, through chapter 9 is that after seeing Jesus' miracles and, and seeing his teachings on discipleship in chapter 8 and chapter 9, there's some important aspects for us to glean. 
that first and foremost, we have to see that Jesus possesses absolute supreme authority in this world. That means he reigns over everything and he reigns over us supremely. Who are we to tell him what we should do with our lives? Surely we don't think that we're wiser than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's wise. He he is good. He's the one who's in control. And so let us rest in the security of his supreme authority. Right here in chapter 9, we've watched Jesus in action. We've seen that he loves us so deeply. And when he shows his authority, it's not a selfish way that he's doing that. It's selfless. He even commands certain people not to, not to tell that he heals, not to tell anyone. He did that with these two blind men. He said, don't go and tell anyone. Don't let anybody know about it. And he's doing what he's doing because he wants to save sinners from hell. And that's why he came. And that's why he has pursued you. And that's why if you're here this morning and you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's why you have that relationship. Because he loved you first. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted by faith in Christ, know this, he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Because what he wants to do is change you from the inside out, not the outside in. That's just conforming. What Jesus wants to do is transform. And so we see his compassion here. And then we see in the light of his absolute authority in the world that Jesus deserves absolute allegiance. All these people were were drawing near him. He was proclaiming the gospel. But when he saw those crowds, his heart was moved with compassion. If you're here this morning as a believer, when you look at the people you work with, students, you look at the kids you go to school with, Are you moved with compassion? When you look at your neighbors, are you moved with compassion? If you're not, then there's something wrong within us spiritually. And we need to cry out as these two men did. Lord, have mercy on me. Change me. Bring healing to my spiritual vision that I might see people the way you see them. That I might see your purpose and your plan and faithfully follow you all the days of my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for all you have done for us. Thank you for sending Jesus who lived that perfect sinless life on our behalf. There was nothing that we could do to deserve that salvation. It's only through his precious blood and his body that when he looked out upon people everywhere he went, even before he was on the cross, even before he was born in that manger, through time and eternity, we know, Lord, that you have looked out upon us and you have looked out upon us in love and compassion. Father, we know that if you had not looked out upon us in love, you've told us in John 3, 16, for You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if if there are those who are here who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, then, Lord, I pray today that they will call out to you and say, Dear God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin and help me to walk faithfully with you. Come into my life and save me. Transform me from the inside out 
forgive me of all my sin. I repent of it. I turn away from it. And I turn to follow you. I believe what Christ did for me, that he died on the cross in my place. He was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life and save me. Father, if there are those who prayed something like that in their hearts this morning, Father, I pray they will come to confess and to profess that faith in Christ. Father, others of us, Lord, who are here as believers already, but yet we've struggled in our walk with you. And it's almost as if we're nearsighted or we have some kind of spiritual issues with our spiritual vision that we're not seeing you as clearly as we ought to. We're not understanding your word and seeing your word like we ought to because to just be honest, we're not spending the time we should be there. We're not studying your word like we should. And so, Father, I pray this morning uh, that you will do a transformation in our hearts and our lives as we confess our sin before you. Father, I pray that you'll give us a new vision, a perfect vision to see you plainly, to see you clearly. Father, I pray that you will help us to walk in the light of your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lead us, Lord, and guide us in the days ahead. And help us to remember, God, that you have all authority, all power. And our arch enemy, the devil, has already been defeated. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation, number 312. As the Lord lays on your heart, will you come?
be sure to pick up one of our guest bags. Uh, we do have some pinwheels and some of them for kids. There are some more pinwheels on a table out here if any of those kids uh, want those. Be sure to pick any of those up. I want you to be aware of the things that are happening. You have your bulletin. Take a look at those and see the things that's happening this next week. Uh, we actually have prayer requests that uh, we go through or, uh, our prayer list, and we have those on Wednesday, and they're actually online. You can go out and get those, too, to those that uh, have asked us to pray for them. We uh, want to especially ask that, we, that you guys remember Linda Hawkersmith and uh, her recovery from hand surgery. Uh, keep praying for her. And also, we have two ladies that need to speak. You're not a lady. Uh, Miss Rima, would you come and, and share? And then Miss Laura. And then... Matthew. Just a quick echo from what Pastor Jim said earlier in our service today. Um, I'm asking each of you to prayerfully consider your part in our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We have two weeks until that celebration for Easter. And what better way than we can celebrate as we share in making sure the gospel is shared throughout North America. We're not quite halfway through our goal of $7,000, so please prayerfully consider what your part can be, that we can reach that goal, that others might know him. Thank you. Good morning. Next Saturday is our children's Easter egg hunt. It's going to be from 1 to 3, and this is for children birth through 5th grade. Um, we're also having some adaptive hunts, so if you know a kiddo that has a little trouble seeing or a little trouble hearing or needs a little bit lower sensory, we're going to try and accommodate that in some of our other buildings. We do need volunteers to help us. If you need a ride, Mark Smith will pick you up in his car. I can say that because he's not here. Um, but really, there, there is a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board outside Pastor Jim's office. It's green. Ms. Reba helped me find it this morning because I know there's a lot of papers up there. But um, we have all kinds of different things. Whatever your gift is, we need people to help us prep food on Friday, um, work food, work games, bounce houses. If you can draw with a crayon, you can face paint for us. Um, so I would appreciate any help we could get there, and thank you for your support of our children's ministries. And Matthew. After you get done signing up, uh, helping out with the children's egg hunt, you can then go down the hallway just a few feet and sign up for our VBS uh, training and uh, preview as well so we can know how, to, how many to provide food for. And so... Uh, please be sure to do both those things. And so youth now, you, it's a good reminder for y'all too to help out, sign up as well. Um, don't, also don't want you to forget, uh, starting at 3.30 today, we got our, starting our new parent study starting at, starts, it starts at home. And so this is for really parents of all ages or, or, or kids of all ages. With, and so we want parents to have the opportunity to be able to uh, get together, talk together, talk through what they're going through. And I think this study is going to be a great one to do that with. And so maybe you're empty nesters or you don't have any children, but hey, we would, you could help us out by being willing to watch kids for about an hour. And so that would be a great help. If you're willing to do that, um, please let me know so we can uh, make that happen. And, and that way families with young kids or, 
older kids that will be able to uh, come together and make that happen. So also, I don't know if y'all knew this, but uh, I think it was last night we had a situation and we had some uh, unwanted guests come in and they uh, did a couple things to the youth room. And so I'm not sure who it is, but I have an idea. And uh, I just know that they were accomplished with somebody had a key, but I don't know who had who it was. But just so you know, be careful, be careful out there. And so it was a harmless prank, but it was it was really awesome. So if y'all want to check it out, go look at it in the youth room. Did a great job with some sticky notes. If you need some sticky notes or you're out of sticky notes, feel free to pull a few off the wall and uh, use those as well. So uh, thank y'all. And now, as Al Pender uh, starts a new uh, walk of his life, a new venture, he wants to address you all this evening as we close. I just wanted to come before you this morning and tell you thank you for letting me be a member of the Highland Baptist Church and the community of Tullahoma. For the past 21 years, I've loved every moment of it. And I didn't really want to leave, but I'm having to sell my home and move to another area. And I just wanted to thank you. You want me to dismiss it? Yes, sir. And now I'd like to dismiss the church if you'd all stand with me. This was a prayer God gave to Moses to give to his brother and all his sons to pray over the people of Israel. And God said, I will put my name on it. Now may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. For I pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.